Good afternoon. On this Thursday afternoon, we are closing in on the end of August, which means we're closing in on fall here in Northeast Texas. We have experienced the great blessings of God over the past uh, several days, having a little bit of rain and a little bit of cooler temperatures, no longer in the hundreds. Hopefully that's gone for a while, And uh, but uh, highs very mild for this part of the country and lows actually uh, into the lower to mid 70s and that's kind of unusual for this part of the country this time of the year so i hope that wherever you are you're doing well and feeling the lord's hand of blessing on you even if you're having some sufferings and struggles right now i pray that you can sense the lord's presence because he will be there with you through it all he doesn't spare us from all of the difficulties of life uh, whether it's our own doing or the doing of somebody else or just the natural way of things here on this earth. Uh, but he does give us his grace and his Holy Spirit, his uh, word and his body, the church, to help us through it. And so I hope and pray that you are experiencing that today. Um, as we look into the uh, daily Bible and the daily Bible readings that we are in the midst of, uh, we are in a very wonderful passage in Jeremiah. We're going to be in three chapters of Jeremiah today, chapter 31, 32, and 33. We'll start in chapter 32, end in chapter 31. I know that's a little bit off, but um, these are some incredible passages. And as we've seen over the last several uh, days of reading, uh, really even longer than that, we know that the Israelites are in a very difficult Place. This is a very dark time in their history, very dark time in the history of the people of God. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel and its capital Samaria had been carried away decades previously uh, at the hands of the Assyrians. And uh, though Israel uh, kept uh, uh, is a great object lesson for the southern kingdom of Judah, they would not listen. And we saw on Tuesday some of the words of the prophet Jeremiah and uh, some of the words of the prophet Ezekiel, who is in Babylon as he receives his visions, expressing how God is finally punishing uh, his people for their sins that have been going on for such a long, long time. Uh, Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. Jeremiah is in the southern kingdom of Judah. He is preaching in the presence of the king and the priests and all the people of Jerusalem, telling them over and over and over again, this is from God. You will not win. You should surrender, as we saw uh, with some of the visions that Ezekiel saw and also some of the visions and words that Jeremiah has shared. Uh, God is saying that the good, the good fruit, the good ones are there in exile, the ones who are obstinate, who refuse to submit to my word and surrender to the Babylonians and accept the fate of being carried off into exile uh, they will suffer a much worse fate. And in the chapters ahead, uh, the day's readings, and we are going to see that as Jerusalem finally falls. Uh, but in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of these words of destruction, all of these words of punishment, uh, there is still that word of hope. And Jeremiah experiences that firsthand in these three chapters. First of all, in Jeremiah 32, the first half of that chapter, Jeremiah is told by God, okay, your uncle is going to come see you, and he's going to offer you his land uh, to buy. It's in Anatoth, and, and God instructs Jeremiah that when that happens, I want you to buy that land. I want you to buy that land, and it's a wonderful symbol 
of the fact that God has not done with the Israelites yet, that Jeremiah and his descendants will one day uh, recover and be able to uh, have value in that land. And so Jeremiah won't experience it, but he does uh, buy the land and it becomes a, a symbol and a sign that God will one day restore his people to the land. Jeremiah has been very specific about that, naming the Babylonians, even naming the Medes who will be coming. Uh, the Medo-Persian Empire will follow the Babylonians and King Cyrus of Persia will take over and he will send the Israelites back to their homeland and provide for what they need as well. But that's still uh, decades away. We've seen the uh, deportation beginning at the hands of the Babylonians, Daniel and his three friends and some of the others uh, that are the, the, the best of the best in uh, the southern kingdom of Judah have been taken into captivity and uh, in 605 BC. And then uh, around uh, 597 or 600, somewhere around there BC, uh, there are others that are taking, taken into captivity. And then finally in 586 BC, the uh, walls are breached the temple is destroyed, the, the, um, uh, the people are taken, who's left, are taken into exile. And in the midst of Jeremiah saying all of this and all of these bad things that are happening and that are going to continue to happen for a while, in the midst of that is this message of hope. And so Jeremiah buys this land, and we start reading in Jeremiah 32, beginning at verse 13. In, the presence, in their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says, take these documents, the purchase documents for that land, take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, this wonderful prayer, starting in Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. God himself will say that as well. And later on in the time of Jesus, we'll hear that word again. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Verse 18, you show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand with an outstretched arm and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do. So you brought all this disaster on them. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened. Jeremiah prays, as you now see. And though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, you, sovereign Lord, say to me, 
by the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. In the midst of all of this destruction and defeat, the kingdom of Judah will be no more. Still, God tells Jeremiah, I want you to buy some land. What a great, great statement. Um, verse 26, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Of course, the answer is no, absolutely not. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Verse 28 of Jeremiah 32, Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I'm about to give this city into the hands of the Babylonians and to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who will capture it. The Babylonians who are attacking this city will come in and set it on fire. They will burn it down, along with the houses where the people aroused my anger by burning incense on the roofs to Baal, the false god of the Babylonians, and by pouring out drink offerings to other gods. The people of Israel and Judah have done nothing but evil in my sight from their youth. Indeed, the people of Israel have done nothing but arouse my anger with what their hands have made, declares the Lord, talking about the isles that they had built and worshipped. From the day it was built until now, this city has so aroused my anger and wrath that I must remove it from my sight. And God continues to talk about all of the horrible things that they have done. Verse 36 of Jeremiah 32, You are saying about this city, By the sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart in action, so that they will always fear me, and that all will then go well for them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me, so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. And the Lord goes on to talk about all the things that will go on as normal in the land of the Israelites once again, but that is 70 plus years away. But in the midst of that destruction and defeat and death and despair, God brings this promise, I will relent. I will bring my people back. It's just an incredible, incredible statement. Uh, now let's go on to chapter 33 of Jeremiah. And uh, in Jeremiah 33, we read that promise continue of restoration and hope. In Jeremiah 33, verse 1, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, remember he's basically under house arrest uh, in the temple area, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Can't you just picture Jeremiah with all of the Jewish hierarchy and people around him in Jerusalem? And then he begins to say, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the creator, the God who brought us here has come to tell you. Verse four of Jeremiah 33. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the houses in this city, Jerusalem, 
and the royal palaces of Judah that had been torn down to be used against the siege ramps and the sword in the fight with the Babylonians. They were struggling to find any kind of protection anywhere. They will be filled with the dead bodies of the people I will slay in my anger and wrath. I will hide my face from this city because of all its wickedness. Verse 6, Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity. They haven't even gone yet, all of them, some of them have. And he's already talking about bringing them back. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and will rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me and will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. What a great promise. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth and hear of all the good things I do for it. And, that the, and they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide it. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. Yet in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness the voices of bride and bridegroom and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord saying, give thanks to the Lord Almighty for the Lord is good. His love endures forever for I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. The psalmist call on the people to say that very thing. Give thanks to the Lord Almighty for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And Jeremiah says, once again, that song of praise will be sung here in Jerusalem. Verse 12, this is what the Lord Almighty says, In this place, desolate and without people or animals, in all its towns there will again be pastures for shepherds to rest their flock. In the towns of the hill country, of the western foothills and of the Negev in the south, in the territory of Benjamin and in the villages around Jerusalem, and in the towns of Judah, flocks will again pass under the hand of the one who counts them, says the Lord. Verse 14, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, verse 15, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. That line of David will continue, God promises. And Zerubbabel, who is uh, of royal descent from the line of David, will lead the people back to rebuild the temple. But it'll be decades before that happens. And in the future, there will be a fulfillment of this prophecy that is seen like none other. No other human king could do it. Only one who would be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, the one we serve as King and Lord today, Jesus of Nazareth. He also is a descendant of King David, as you know. And God promises in those days at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. 
in a special way only applicable to Jesus Christ, who is our righteous Savior, who is that righteous branch sprouted from the tribe of Jesse, from the line of David, and ultimately giving his life on the cross as our righteous Savior. What an incredible, incredible statement. Now we turn back to Jeremiah chapter 31, this incredible, wonderful chapter, so important in the days of Jeremiah and the days of the Jews when they returned from exile decades later, and in the days of Jesus in the first century and in our day today. Jeremiah 31, beginning at verse 1, At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says, the people who survived the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. What a great statement. God has loved us. He has loved his people with an everlasting love. The people of Jerusalem and Judah needed to hear that at that time, to be reminded that even though God is punishing them, He's punishing them as a loving parent would. He's punishing them to get them to repent and to come back to him because he loves them with an everlasting love. My dear friend, God loves you. No matter what else is going on in your life, he loves you with an everlasting love. I will build you up again, Jeremiah 31 verse 4, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria, the northern parts, the northern tribes of Israel. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. This is what the Lord says, verse 7. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. There will be no such thing as outcasts in the day of the Lord when he comes to bless his people. Uh, they'll all be joining this great throng that returns uh, to the land of God. Verse 9, they will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble, because I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. When Jesus came along, he called God his father in a very special way. And they accused him of blasphemy, and rightly so, except he was the son of God. But here we see that God reaffirms his love for his people, his everlasting eternal love, calling them his child, his firstborn his son. I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you nations, proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them, and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob, and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. 
I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. Verse 15, this is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. We've heard that passage before, haven't you? It looks back to the time when um, Rachel, the beloved wife uh, of uh, Jacob, uh, died in childbirth uh, when Benjamin was born. And all of the children perhaps that, were, uh, that could have been born through her uh, could not exist. But there's another part of this. It's been told, it's been said that Ramah in near Jerusalem is actually on the way, that the exiles probably walked right through it on their way to exile in Babylon. And there's another special application of this as well. In Matthew chapter 2, Matthew sees a different fulfillment of these verses right here in Jeremiah 31. A Rachel weeping for her children, a voice uh, crying in Ramah, uh, crying for her children because they are no more. Matthew remembers those words in Matthew chapter 2 when King Herod in his insecurity and in his uh, cruelty has uh, the baby boys in Bethlehem killed because he's trying to kill off the Savior, the one who would be the king of the Jews, Jesus of Nazareth, who had escaped to Egypt. Uh, this passage right here, remembers that. We see it fulfilled as those exiles crying, walking into Babylon. Uh, we see it again fulfilled in the first century. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, for they are no more. But that is not the last word. It wasn't the last word in Rachel's day, in the days of Joseph and Benjamin. It wasn't the last word in the days of Jeremiah or in the days of Jesus of Nazareth as a young, young newborn baby. And it's not the last word today either. Jeremiah 31 verse 16, this is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy, so there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. I have surely heard Ephraim's moaning, you discipline me like an unruly calf, God's people say, and I have been disciplined. Restore me and I will return because you are the Lord my God. After I strayed, I repented. After I came to understand, I beat my breast. I was ashamed and humiliated because I bore the disgrace of my youth. What a wonderful statement of repentance from God's people. Verse 20, is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? Again, Jeremiah speaking the words of God. Though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. Do you hear the love that God has for his people? My heart yearns for him, for Ephraim, for Israel, for his people and of the Jews. My heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. Don't you know how much it hurt God to punish his people like this, to see the cruelty brought onto them by the pagan, ruthless, selfish Babylonians. But God knew that it was the right thing so that the people could be able to be brought to save these 
words. And so the promises of God continue in verse 21. Set up road signs, put up guideposts, take note of the highway, the road that you take. Return, virgin Israel, return to your towns. How long will you wander, unfaithful daughter Israel? The Lord will create a new thing on earth. The woman will return to the man. Verse 23, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. When I bring them back from captivity, the people in the land of Judah and its towns will once again use these words. The Lord bless you, you prosperous city, you sacred mountain. People will live together in Judah and all its towns, farmers and those who move out within their flocks. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. At this I awoke, Jeremiah says in verse 26, at this I awoke and looked around. My sleep had been pleasant to me. Oh, he had had some wonderful dreams. He had had some wonderful visions of God bringing his people back, of the, the bride and bridegroom rejoicing on their wedding day, of, of the women singing and dancing, and the men and old men along with them in the streets of Judah, of Jerusalem once again. Yes, his sleep had been pleasant. Verse 27 of Jeremiah 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of people and of animals, just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and to overthrow, destroy, and bring disaster. That's what's going on right now as Jeremiah reads these words. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. We saw that passage uh, repeated in Ezekiel 18, where God says the soul that sins is the one who shall die. We've seen it here in Jeremiah as well. And now the children and the grandchildren are facing the punishment for the sins of their parents, not eternal punishment. They're not judged eternally by that, but they are facing the physical consequences of God's punishing hand because of their sins. But God says, listen, there's coming a day when that won't be said any longer because they won't be suffering those consequences of that punishment any longer. And then these incredible words, um, starting in verse uh, 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. That was the covenant God made with his people through the hand of Moses. The covenant that they broke. The covenant that they are now, because of their sin, being punished for and being taken into Babylon. Verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. We see this great promise fulfilled only in the time of Jesus Christ, in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then less than two months later in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and just what Jesus said would happen begins to happen. That repentance and remission of sins is preached in the name of the resurrected Lord Jesus. And it is at that time that this 
prophecy, this promise of God in Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31, is finally fulfilled. The writer of Hebrews, beginning in chapter 8, uses this passage right here, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, as his sermon text in one of his sermons in the book of Hebrews, starting in chapter 8. And it's these remarkable words that he says are only fulfilled in Jesus Christ, only fulfilled in the one who gave his life for us. Because God knew that if he just gave us another covenant on tables of tablets of stone or on uh, paper or on a on a word processor or whatever, those are words that give commandments that we would only break. And we would be responsible once again for our sinfulness. So God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with my people after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Jeremiah 31 verse 33. We have that new covenant through Jesus Christ, as the writer of Hebrews makes very, very clear. God promises that they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their iniquities and their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. That wonderful promise of hope and forgiveness and life has been given to Jeremiah and passed along to his people of his day and looked ahead for hundreds of years until the time that Jesus came and lived and died and was raised again. And with that empty tomb, Jesus ascends ultimately into the very throne room of the Father once again. That's how Hebrews 1 begins. And then he has given us his word. He has given us that wonderful covenant, that law that is in our minds, that is written on our hearts that God is our God and that we are his people because he has forgiven our sins and he will remember them no more. I hope and pray that you have that assurance of salvation because of the blood of Jesus Christ through the response of your faith, just as it was preached in Acts chapter 2 for the very first time. God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified Peter and the others told them on that day, God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And the people said, what do we do? And the answer that was given to them is the same answer that is given to us today. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise is just as valid today as it was when Jeremiah offered it, looking ahead hundreds of years, just as surely as it was when Peter announced it in Acts chapter 2. That is the same promise today. God will forgive your iniquities, your wickedness, and he will remember your sins no more. Just as the people of Jeremiah's day were called upon to repent and God would restore them, to their wonderful homeland. Today, we are called upon to believe in that sacrifice of Jesus Christ, to repent, to change our lives, to decide we're going to get on a different path. That's what the word repent means. To confess that faith before others and to be baptized in the name of the resurrected Jesus Christ and we'll receive that forgiveness of sins through his blood 
will receive that gift of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us, being our comfort and our guide as we live faithfully before him. I hope and pray that you too have experienced all of that. If you haven't, reach out to someone. Reach out to me if you like. Reach out to someone that is close to you and say, that's what I want. I want my sins forgotten by God. I want that assurance of salvation that Jeremiah looked ahead to, that Jesus died to bring, that Peter and the others announced, starting in Acts chapter 2. You can have it, my friend, I pray. I pray that you will receive it. I hope you have a great weekend. God bless.